three, two, one. System and Soul listeners, uh, Mackenzie Reeves Decker here, operator for System and Soul. I'm here today along with some very special guests for this week's episode. Um, we are being kind for once to Chris and Benj, and we're giving them the day off. So we've got a couple new voices today. Um, I actually, I sort of told them that I wanted to take over this interview because I've been wanting to hear from this person that we have today for a very long time. Um, but before we introduce our guests, I want to introduce you to my co-pilot for today's episode. His name is Clay Scroggins. Clay is a pastor, speaker, and author. He has written two incredible books, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge and How to Lead in a World of Distraction. He's joined us on this podcast before, so make sure you go check out his episode in our library. But today he's here to ask the tough questions of our guest today. Mm. Clay, welcome. To uh, thanks, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, I love the way you did that in such a sly way. You're like, hey, why don't why don't y'all take the week off? You know, that's like a really gentle way to be like, hey, move. I'm gonna do this one. That's how I get most things done. <laughs> I feel like smart. she was leading when she wasn't in charge. Maybe hey, right there. Some would that's say. A good example. Taking tips. <laughs> From the right. <laughs> um, for those of you who um, are listening for the first time, we're really glad you're with us. You got to come back. You got to come back for the regular hosts. And for those of you that uh, have been around for a while and you're like, oh, finally an upgrade from Benj and Chris mm -hmm. on behalf of Mackenzie and myself, you're welcome. Uh, but I do want to introduce our guest today. Um, Trisha, I met you probably eight years ago when belay at the time it was uh gosh it was the miles advisory group i believe small mm -hmm. little uh yeah. eager co company um your story of becoming a ceo is uh, i mean your own personal journey is remarkable and i can't wait to hear all of it um firsthand but you started at the bottom now you's at the top I mean, this is the way uh, dreams are made right here. But um, if you would tell us a little bit about yourself and um, and then we'll talk about Belay in just a second. But let's start with you first. Yeah. Oh, thanks for the introduction. I mean, there's a Drake song about that. I think so. I started think so. at the bottom. Now we're here. We started It'll be in the, the show notes. I guess. Link to the song if you don't know, because I feel like it's my personal anthem at times. Anyway, it's great to be with you guys today. I'm Trisha Shortino, the CEO of Belay. And if you don't know Belay, we're a staffing organization. We've been around since 2010, so going into year 11. And I've had the privilege and opportunity to work and meet so many amazing people, like. You, Clay. Um, Clay, we've had you come in and teach on your book. I mean, I remember years when you came and uh, really invested in our team and leadership development. And um, it's been an amazing ride. Personally, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have two daughters who were in high school, which I don't know how that's possible because I'm only 29. And <laughs> yeah. um, I have a Yorkie and yeah and i love leading people and organizations mm. and i'm all about delegation and owning your journey which goes you know kind of into my drake's 
my Drake <laughs> song is that um, I think we can all start wherever we are and get to the top. So, Tricia, my one of my favorite speaking engagements I've ever done was not the one you were referring to, but it was the Christmas party for Belay, I believe. <laughs> yes. And it's the only t- so that you you, uh, you all had asked me to come and do like a little Christmas devotional. Um, what I didn't realize is that it would be an open bar before any of this got started. And so it's the only time I've ever spoken in front of a crowd that felt like they were, uh, most people were slightly buzzed, I guess. And so it was, I mean, the jokes were funnier. The stories were better. I was like, oh, this is like, this is why comedians became comedians and not preachers because of alcohol. So yes, and we were all standing time. and mingling. We oh. weren't sitting in rows. I oh, mean, it was so good. really engaging. So good. Uh, I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah. Well, t- tell us about Belay as well. Um, it's a staffing company, but h- how did it yes. start and what's your, h- how did you get connected with it? Yeah. So um, I worked with the um, founders, Brian and Shannon Miles. I-, I worked with Brian years ago um, at a different organization, we worked at a church construction company. Um, and I was a remote assistant we- and he was an executive. And the concept of providing virtual assistant remote support to people was birthed out of our relationship. And so what we do is we provide virtual assistants and now bookkeepers and social media strategists as well um, to small businesses and leaders who need help and support. And so 11 years ago, um, the founder, Brian Miles, decided that he was going to start a business where he would align um, leaders who needed it with great virtual assistants. And at the time, I was his virtual assistant, and he asked me to kind of join him, you know, for the journey. And so I did. I mean, I hopped on board back in 2010 with you know, on a wing and a prayer, if you will, you know, during a recession a little bit in 2010 Mm. um, and took the chance to say, okay, we're gonna, we believe there's something to this. Um, We believe we can serve people well. We believe there's leaders out there who need support, who aren't, who are having a hard time finding support. And um, that was our mission right out of the gate was to um, serve people with the right people to help them elevate. That was kind of the core um, foundational principles we went into. And we also wanted to be a company that everybody wanted to work for. We were kind of like anti-establishment, you know, we were so against the grain. We went into it and said, we wanna be anti-corporate. We wanna be the place people wanna work. We wanna be a place people are banging down the door to get into because we're such an amazing company to work for. And so foundationally, that has been something that's been at Belay's core all along is our culture and who we are as an organization mattered from the day we started. Um, and it's, it's been an undercurrent and a threat of ours that we want to be a place people enjoy working. Um, and then we validate those things by, you know, having great retention, but also getting, you know, awards like, you know, best places to work and things like that. Like those, those to us are extremely rewarding because it means we are, we're accomplishing that mission. Mm -hmm. I, I, as you're speaking, you may not even know how well aligned you are with a lot of what we teach and what other people, our listeners, our coaches and, um, the, the companies that we work with running on system and soul are, 
are after the same mission. And I'm, I know that there, we're all so we're all so curious, and I think you could speak to both sides of that, of how you, over the last, over 10 years, now that you've got 10 years under your belt, what, what does it look like to, how, how did you really foster both of those things together and at the same time? And what, I mean, what worked well and what didn't even? Yeah, yeah. So we, we use a term and a definition in our organization, um, we call the blend of culture and performance as engagement. So we have a definition for employee engagement and the definition is the marriage of a high performing person and one that is very satisfied with their job at the same time. And so if you equally focus on both of those things and you put equal effort as a leadership team and as management and as an organization to meet both pieces of that pie, then what you end up with is great culture. And so there were times throughout our journey where we were weighted too heavy on on one side and there were times when we were weighted too heavy on the other side. And you can see how those things would show up where um, maybe we were in a season we were so focused on achieving a goal or a number or success or so results-based driven that you saw employee satisfaction dip. Or maybe there were seasons where we overcorrected and we were so focused on caring and loving and supporting our team that you would see your results dip. And so what we've learned is that keeping those equally balanced and having actually focus and metrics around both of those things that you're watching at the same time and that you're achieving both is what is the culmination of ideal success in our version is that we don't care. You can have great, okay, I run a business so we can have great revenue, but if I'm losing people and I'm churning people and I have an unsatisfied team that's not productive, there's a cause and effect on both sides. So that's what we've done is we've focused on literally having measures for both of those things. Hey, podcast listeners, Chris White here. I want to challenge you with something today. Now, this might sting a little bit. You ready? All right, here it is. Are you limiting your capacity as a leader? We know you're experienced in the world of business, entrepreneurship, and leadership development. We know you're smart, intentional, business-savvy folks. But are you playing too small? One of the greatest steps you can take after years of leading a company or organization is to become a coach for other businesses. I've been a business coach for over 20 years after a 20-year corporate career, and I'm here to tell you, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. It is the most rewarding and gratifying thing that I have ever done in my career. And this is also why Benj Miller and I created System & Soul. We're training coaches right now to help small businesses everywhere experience breakthrough in both the system and the soul side of their business. If you're ready to expand your capacity and create impact like never before, then let's go. Get on my calendar, let's book a call, and I'm happy to introduce you to System and Soul. For more information, visit systemandthesoul.com forward slash coach and set up your phone call today. There's a, I mean, there's a labor shortage, a labor crisis that's happening in every industry, which I feel like uh, positions belay really well because so much of what you do is help provide um, great employees, great virtual employees for people. 
Um, but have you, has that affected you all? Has it affected your own? Uh, I mean, you, you all have been growing, mm -hmm. you've been hiring a lot. It feels like, yes. are you feeling the same thing everyone else is feeling? Yeah. I mean, I think we, we absolutely are. Um, we, we are experiencing people leaving to go do other things for a multitude of different reasons, whether they've decided to go back into a full-time market, they decided to change careers because of personal reasons we're we're definitely seeing retention and employee churn and contractor churn as a real live thing i think we've been able to as we analyze it as a staffing organization gosh if we don't know this you know we're we're, we're in a pickle right but like you know when we analyze it what we really find out is that it's the same thing it's always been it's just really highlight is that people mm -hmm. leave their leaders and they leave poor environments. People can tell you they're leaving for more money. They can tell you they're leaving for whatever reason. The end of the day, um, people will stay when they love their job and they will sacrifice financial gains if they enjoy the work that they do. And so that has been something that we've paid very close attention to. It's like the culture, piece today is now even more important than it's ever been before. Um, and so extra highlighting or, you know, we, we actually sit around and have meetings about how can we enhance our culture? What can we do so culture is more present and prevalent? How can we make sure we're not forgetting to cast vision on a more regular basis? It's almost become a requirement, you know, for an employee to, to come in and say, you know, I, I actually don't need to stay someplace or work for somebody that doesn't treat me well and doesn't care about me. And actually, I desire to work someplace where I'm valued. Mm. And so the answer to the question is you will churn if people don't feel valued, you'll lose them. But you you give them purpose and you, you help them um, see their value and you express literally gratitude verbally, like literal gratitude. <laughs> People like, oh, I think in my head of how grateful I am, but you actually have to say it out loud. <laughs> um, you know, express gratitude <laughs> out loud um, and, and people will stay with you. The one thing I've been thinking about, and I, we hear this from the coaches that we work with and the clients that they have. And especially if we're talking about small business or talking about small teams, I think high performer, so high performers get promoted to leadership positions. And then, and you, you spoke to this in some of the questions that we asked you before this interview, maybe you can speak to it here. Those high performers end up being in the leadership position and then they want to hoard all of the, you know, they want to hoard everything and hold on to it because it's hard to, especially in talent crisis, like right now, where you see people come and go in a flash and it, and it, I think you know, those types of high performers get jaded in a way. It's like, well, I, if I'll just do it then, or I'll just hold on to it because I can't trust or, you know, I can't, yeah. I can't, I, they don't know how to hand out the work or I think you've used the term, give it away. Um, yeah. And I'm curious what you, I'm so curious what you tell people, tell leaders when they're in that mindset or they're in that place, um, needing the help, but not knowing, not knowing how to get it. Yeah, so th there's so many different things at play here. I mean, the, the the first one is like, if if somebody, one of my reports is coming to me and saying, you know, um, they're overburdened and um, 
overworked or they don't want to delegate something, um, you know, the, the first thing I go to is um, our jobs as leaders is our job actually is no longer to do the work. Like that is just and the day you went from I'm an employee to now I'm a manager, I'm a leader, the the act of physically doing is not for you anymore. I mean, the the your job description probably doesn't say anything about the things you're going to go do. You know, it, it becomes more about influence. It becomes more about um, helping people make decisions. It becomes more about, you know, guiding people to make the right decisions or being the decision maker. Um, at this point, you're trying, you know, your job is really to influence others to do their work well in a way that supports the organizational health or whatever the mission or project you're trying to complete. And it's not about doing. And so mm -hmm. it's something that we learned a really hard way is because everyone gets in the in the place where they they promote the high performer, the hypo, because they're a hypo. And then, then the hypo has no idea how to lead people. <laughs> so it, they actually think it's going to be more of the same. And actually, it's completely two different skill sets. And so we, we try to evaluate, like, just because you're the best doer of this thing, does that equal you are now a good leader of that mm -hmm. thing, or leader of people who do that thing? You may have an expertise on the thing, but can you can you translate that into coaching, teaching, influencing, and training? Because you're not supposed to be doing the doing. Um, so there's that part of it, like the mental mind shift that we, you know, we have to correct when people apply for promotion or whatever. Like we're evaluating their ability to no longer do things. Can I can I jump in, Trisha, and ask you yeah. something there? But take it. Can you take us back to the moment in the last ten years in your own career when you had to make that? Because that's this is your story. Yes. I mean, you were a hypo, and now yeah. you are a leader of leaders. Can yeah. you? Was there a moment? And can you tell us about it? Yeah, every day, Clay. Every day, <laughs> I bang up against this wall all the time. So it's just iterative. <laughs> so I remember specifically. I think at the uh, this was years ago, probably eight plus years ago. I don't know. We were small. I think we had fourteen employees. Um, and I went to, um, my boss and I was leading maybe two or three people, but I was still doing all the work. And, um, I, I was just like, man, I am burnt out. I'm up against the wall. I'm working all these hours, you know, whatever. And he says, that's your fault. I never, I have no expectation of you working all those hours. I have every expectation that as you properly distribute the work and make sure the work gets done. But if you're up against a wall, you put yourself there. You know, and I was like, oh, Shoot. Geez. like <laughs> it's your job to get yourself off, off the stinking wall, mm -hmm. you know? And so <laughs> from that moment on, I'm like, oh God, you know, I'm putting myself here because a, a good leader, even if, even if there is too much is going to appropriately say, okay, we have to prioritize all this can't get done at one time. There's such a thing as balance and pacing and speeding. And sometimes we do things for the sake of doing them. And we don't, we're not, we don't have clarity on what we're trying to accomplish in the first place. And mm -hmm. so, um, I think we put ourselves up against a wall first and foremost. And if we feel like our leader put us up against a wall because they've over, loaded us, then it's still our job to go address that issue and say, mm -hmm. Hey, I have more, I have more work than I have hours in my day. And so can we talk through the priorities on what's urgent? What can wait? 
what maybe somebody else can do, which goes right into the kind of the art of just knowing and understanding how to delegate and manage up and manage down. Hmm. Um, because that, it's a two-way street. That makes, I mean, that's such a great story and such a great example. How do you remember how it made you feel then? Yeah, I was kind of, re I was relieved and I was, um, I was almost like kicking myself. Yeah. You know, yeah, I like, kind of felt like, that? yeah, like what? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, he's totally right. I, yeah, I, he's, he's not sitting there going work harder, work longer, work right. you know, right. I'm because I'm a high performer and I'm, you know, was at this place where I'm looking to grow my career. You know, I, I was in a season where I was like, I will do more to prove myself. I will do more to prove myself. I yep. will own more to prove myself. And so I wanted to take on more work so I could prove I could get to the next level. Now that it worked for me in some sense, sure. right? Because I am where I am. Um, but not as it related to being the hoarder of all the work. Actually, what I was doing as I was hurting myself, I was burning myself out. I was exhausted. Mm. I was tired. Um, I, I, you know, you can't make good decisions when you're burnt out. Um, so it took me years to figure out like, how do I have good balance in my work and really do a better job at prioritizing and delegating? Um, and, and that's been iterative. And so every, I mean, I, I do it probably twice a year and I have my team do it where we literally sit down and we go, what's on my plate? What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Should somebody else be doing this? Like, what would be my ideal state? What would my week look like? We, we have like a chart that we map it all out. Like ideal, this is what my workday looks like. Um, and then does that correlate with the things I'm supposed to be doing? And we walk through this whole exercise a couple times a year. And I've done it personally for years, but now I ask my team to do it because I actually want them to be as free and own their time as much as I do. And I actually expect them to actually put in blocks of golden hour, which is like professional development. I want you to read a leadership book for a couple pages, an hour a week, um, you know, I want you to develop yourself um, yeah. and think time because as leaders, we actually need time to sit with ourselves. And that's at your, that's throughout your whole organization, 1200 mm -hmm. plus people. Yeah. Right? So we are, um, we're about 120 employees and we're about 1700 1800 contractors right now. So in total, we're, we're about two, we're almost at the 2000 lives, um, at this point. Yeah. That, um, that McKinsey, I love that you brought it up at the beginning about how everything Trish is talking about does feel like it aligns so well with system and soul that, um, there is such a system to what clearly you just, the way you've been talking about this, you've been oozing system, but yeah. I've been around belay enough to know the that soul part is real i mean you guys believe in what you're doing you care deeply about people you have a blast working there i mean like y'all are making music videos and <laughs> i mean it is a good time what would you say to people that are yeah. you know maybe new entrepreneurs that are trying to develop that mm -hmm. culture what are some of the things that you felt year one, two, three, as you look back, you think, okay, those really helped develop the soul of our company. 
Yeah, I think, you know, one of the exercises we went through really early on with helped us keep our focus was really developing, even when we were, we were probably eight people. I mean, we developed our core values um, when we were eight people. You know, we were eight people like, okay, what do we align with? Um, and one of our core values was fun. And so, because we wanted to not be overly corporate, we wanted to be the place people wanted to work. And we felt like great culture is that high performer, that engaged employee who enjoys coming to work. You can have fun at work and still get your work done. And so we just had this passion around our core values and fun being one of them. And then another one of our core values is team. Um, so you put those two together, you put fun together and team together and, and then you agree to adhere to those core values for the life of the organization. And then you have to figure out ways they show up. You have to have fun and you have to be a team. And so that's why we have Christmas parties where there's open bars or we will have scavenger hunts on Zoom or we will do a would you rather on a Zoom with our team because we believe in our core values showing up every day. And and we've we've really stuck with it and we've been dedicated to making sure we don't lose sight of them. It'd be very easy, especially like, gosh, the last two years we've all lived through, it's very, it would be very easy to not have any fun the last couple of years, right? I mean, there were some months, things were not feeling fun. And yet, you know, we pulled ourselves together and said, but it's a core value. And so we're gonna exude fun. And so even though we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're losing business, we're gonna ask the team, if you, if you can only have one new council for the rest of your life, would it be a fork or a spoon? <laughs> and that has been an ongoing debate ever since. So we have team fork and we have team spoon. It's the, the spoon, no doubt. It's totally a fork. Oh my god! I don't know. I go. think it's a fork. <laughs> Two against yeah, one. The, you guys are ganging up. You know, so I think right. My advice would be like know who you are and who you want to be, put it on paper. And even if you're two people, three people, four people small, write it down, plast it on the wall, and then live it out and create plans on how it shows up all the time. And don't let it go. Hmm. Quick, quick side question. note. So one of, inside of our company, one of the cultural attributes that we strive for is fun. And one of the, awesome. we put, we put habits in place, organizational habits one of the things that we're trying to do, so one of our habits is hug, pray, and dance, which is I hilarious. Love... Which is a... <laughs> so it's cool, but here's the thing, like half of our team or more is like introverted people who would never want to dance in a room and or on a Zoom, which we've done like ever. And here we are like, uh, you know, three or four people. I think Clay's been there once before where we're just like dancing in the room together. And it's the silliest thing, but it does. It just, it creates this sort of um, communal moment, yeah. whether it's a ridiculous question or just a, everyone's feeling awkward together. <laughs> it's like, yes. it's incredible. Yes, yes, yes. Cohesion. I mean, and that's yeah. a, like, you know, you team building, team bonding, I and mean, we call it what you will. I say cohesion. Mm -hmm. Is like, you know, the awkward moments like that where you're totally pushing people out of what's comfortable 
and then allowing people who love it to just be all in their glory <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> it's like, it just creates cohesion. At our last meeting, you know, we did um, we did a lip sync battle and we broke our entire company into groups of people and we just handed them a random song and a box of props and we said, go to town. Mm. And we had like our accounting department finance people like mortified that they were gonna have to lip sync to like Rihanna. You know, um, with a, you know, blow up guitar or whatever. But I mean, we were going for it <laughs> and, and cohesion, you know, <laughs> yeah. love it. I'm curious, Tricia, with the strength of that value fun in your organization, what are your other ones that I imagine there's some balance in there as well. I'm curious what they yes, are. Yes, we have some we have some good ones. I mean, God is our number one core value. I mean, we're a Christian organization. We were founded to serve the church. Um, and that's expanded. And so now we get to serve all kinds of organizations, but we always give God the glory. And so that's a core value of ours. And so we have behaviors that show up that represent God, like praying before meetings. And, uh, you know, there's just there's things we put in place so that God is always present. We're always um, lifting him up in everything we do. Um, vision is a core value of ours because we started an organization that at the time was very, we believe, innovative. I mean, nobody back in 2010 was doing this remote work, fractional virtual assistant thing. And so we knew we had to have the vision of what could be and the vision of, um, being innovative and future thinking. So that's one of our core values as well. And then passion, passion is one of them. We don't ever want to do anything and be, um, we don't believe in complacency. And so we will do everything passionately with excellence and put all we have and then some into everything we do. So we, um, complacency does not exist in our organization. So those are some of our other core values. Trisha, um, I, I was thinking about what you were saying about how during the pandemic, you know, everybody was so afraid of business that was being lost. And I feel like um, I know there was a season for Belay where you were feeling the same thing. But at the same time, I mean, quickly, um, the way you had been running your company, the way you had established your company quickly gave you quite an advantage because yes. you were founded as a virtual company. You provide fractional mm -hmm. virtual assistance to people. Can you, can we talk about virtual culture a little bit? Because I've, mm -hmm. uh, you're the first company that I had ever heard of that had created this magnetic, mm -hmm. remarkable soul of a company. And you're only in a room together four times, three, a, year. Four times a year. So what maybe, I know that I know that's that could be a long conversation, but give me if you would. Here's the one thing that we do really well that makes that work, and what's the one mistake that companies make when they're trying to create that virtual culture? Yeah, so there's a lot. You're right, but if I'm going to talk about one thing, I'm going to say if you are remote, you are probably on a Zoom. If you are not on a Zoom and you're on a conference call, you need to get on Zoom. Because at least you're two-dimensional, you're not one-dimensional. Like eyeball and, and to eyeball, see your face. You would have said that in 2000, January of yes. 2020. Absolutely. Uh, yes. If you were literally like conference calling, everybody calling to this line and we're going to have a finance meeting, what? No. Like move to Zoom. And I think a lot of people got that quickly. They said, okay, we're, we have to get on Zoom. Mm -hmm. uh, cameras need to be, the whole point of Zoom is that you're seeing people turn your cameras on. Right? <laughs> like, when you have like just the person's like image sitting there, like they're not on the Zoom, in my opinion. 
So be on the Zoom. Um, and then because you're virtual and you're leading an organization via Zoom, Zoom your etiquette and your rules of engagement while virtually working together are important. And so like we have rules on how we engage via Zoom and, and webcam because we are a remote company. And some of those rules are things like you don't go on mute unless you have a barking dog because that will defer you from engaging in a conversation. If you're muted, you won't, you're muted. So you're not gonna talk up and you're probably not gonna go through the effort. of. Um, so you're not muted, your video is on, you're in a place that looks like where you're supposed to be <laughs> um, and you're engaging and that the leader and the moderator of the meeting, whoever that may be, whether it's the leader of that meeting is moderating the meeting and your core values are literally built into your agenda. So like our core values, right? So I already told you, God, every single meeting we're opening in prayer on Zoom with mutes off, cameras on, everybody's looking at the screen, right? Mm -hmm. We believe in fun. So we will have five minutes of chit chat, silly talk. What's in the news? What's a, what's the best movie you saw? What's on Netflix, fork or spoon? Like spend five minutes on fun. Then get to your meet, you know, then get to your agenda. And because people's time, time matters and Zoom fatigue is real, follow your agenda and end on time. So like, if you could do a couple of those things, your core values show up, your face to face, your That's eyeball good. to eyeball, you're injecting fun, you're not muting, people are engaged. Um, they're not sitting with their camera off. You inject, you know, some fun, some whatever those are for you. You could figure out how to have great web meetings. You will start facilitating great virtual culture. Y'all need to hear that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to list about five things that I've already I have many more things, rules. but like <laughs> that's the most important. I mean, like that you have to figure out how to engage people on webcam. And so I've had people say to me, like I've sat in like webinars or whatever, and they're like, you're so animated and engaging on Zoom. Wow. It's like, you're not boring. And, you know, and I said, yeah, that's part of what goes with this, right? It's like, I am animated, I'm engaging, I'm moving. <laughs> like Part of it is part of engagement. Mm. And so you have to foster and create in virtual engagement. And so that's what mm. it looks like. It's like, nobody wants to sit on a Zoom call where it's, mah, mah, you know, Charlie Brown teacher, mah, 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 mm -hmm. and people, you know, like make it interesting. Trisha, as we, um, we are so grateful for the time that we've gotten with you. And it's just clear that I mean, for for your career trajectory and the time that you've been at, uh, you've been leading Belay, the time that you started as an assistant, it seems like you've just been making things better as you go. And it sounds like you're making things better for almost 2,000 people right now <laughs> in the organization that you've built. So thank you for your time. I, I, as we close, we always ask our guests sort of what what's the one piece of advice you'd leave us with? First of all, thanks for having me. Um, this has been fun. You guys are great. Um, I, I would say my one piece of advice would be, which we didn't talk about it too much, but it is for people to really recognize that you own your power and you own your journey mm -hmm. and your life is yours. You make your decisions. The career is the path mm -hmm. you create. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes a lot of people feel like they can't see opportunity or they're stuck or, um, things look dismal and I would, I would leave them with a word of encouragement to say that, um, 
sometimes opportunity is not waiting. And sometimes you actually, you know, you need to build the door. You need to create your opportunities. And that's really for you to do. And it's absolutely possible. One of my dreams for um, you and for Belay, Tricia, is to hear the Belay story on how I built this. Mm, that would be awesome. You know that podcast? Yes. I feel like they yes. need to tell your story. I feel like yeah. you as a leader, you're remarkable. Your journey's remarkable. But also the company that you all have created in such a short amount of time, it really is remarkable. So, yeah, I echo McKenzie's sentiments. This has been fabulous. We have so much respect. For you so thank you now Likewise. everybody go tweet uh tweet at uh how i built this and get trisha <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you guys this has been so fun i i enjoy both of you um it's been a pleasure all right system and soul listeners thanks for joining us we'll see you next week for another episode of the system and soul podcast